Hey friends, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish, here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. In this show, I am preparing for my Sunday RPG in which we are running the independent role-playing game Blades in the Dark by John Harper. We had our session zero last week, and I'm going to talk all about what that was like. And then in this show, we are going to help me get my head around what I need in order to run our first official session. So I was very nervous uh, about running Blades in the Dark last week, and I feel like I was right to be nervous because it is a very different kind of game. I am familiar with a lot of different RPGs, right? I don't just, I play a lot of D&D, obviously, but I play a lot of games. I play Numenera, I play 13th Age, I play Fate, I play Dungeon World, Apocalypse World. I, I play, you know, Shadow of the Demon Lord, some story-focused games like Fate and Dungeon World, and some very mechanical games like 13th Age and 5th Edition and 4th Edition and so on. So I, I play a wide range of games, and I'm not... I'm not unused to playing story focused games, but this one is very different. It's a, it's a, it's, it's really like an, I would consider it kind of an advanced story focused game. There is a lot of advice on how to run the game, much of which I subscribe to completely. If you look at a lot of the GM principles that are in Blades in the Dark, they are very familiar and very similar to the kinds of principles we saw in Dungeon World and others. And I'm on board with all those. My question is about understanding the flow of the game when I ask for checks and, and understanding all of the different options that exist for characters when they're doing their stuff, how you determine the number of, of dice that are rolled for a given thing. A lot of that is just, I'm, I'm, I've been having trouble getting my head around it. The session zero went very well. My players are definitely on board. We had four of the six players were there, although I think we're going to have... I think we're going to have all six players today. And that's going to be interesting because I don't think Blades is intended. It's not intended for six, I'm sure. But I don't think it's... You know, it, it seems to work better. I was watching John Harper running it uh, on YouTube. He ran it a, a, a few bunch of sessions a while back, right? About four or five years ago and or three or four years ago. And I was watching him run it and he only had three players, right? And I'm like, I bet you that works better with three players than it does with six. So that might, I already might be putting myself in a bit of trouble by having a lot of, uh, a lot of players, probably more players than than this game is comfortable running. How did the session zero go? So I, I put together my session zero checklist and we got through a lot of it. I gave the description of Duskfall, which is the world that Blades is in. I talked about the game's principles that we're all working together on this story. I described the core mechanic. The, it's a DC dice pool game. A six is a success, four or five is success at a cost, one to three is a failure. The game relies heavily on the players to help build the world. We're all building it together and includes flashbacks. We chose a crew. They decided to pick shadows. That worked well. They all chose a scoundrel. We'll, we'll talk about the characters in a minute. And then we started to embark on a score. And we only got as far as meeting the meeting the, 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 the NPC that was hiring them for the job. And I'll talk about that. We have the uh, the truths of Duskfall, right? I, these are these are kind of the things. Really, I didn't need this, and I didn't need this because the game itself already has such a wonderful description. It already like this whole this this description right here, right? The setting, the you know, game takes me foggy dusk, dusk wall. This was so great and captured so much of the stuff that I thought was important. I don't think I needed the, the truths. I don't, I don't think it mattered to break this out because this already had so much of it, right? We talked about safety tools that, that all worked well. We kind of picked, I think we picked a couple of other things that I, we added in here, but generally speaking, that was straightforward and people were on board. We talked about the inspiration. People definitely were like, ah, okay, I got it. As soon as we say like the, probably the, I think the Dishonored video game is probably the strongest inspiration that you could grab onto for this game. That works. 
And I don't remember what we did with factions. So, so that the, so the session zero went fine. It took a good while. It was probably, in, you know, at least two hours and 15 minutes, I think for us getting through the session zero, getting characters, picking a thing, talking, and we were all having a good time. Like everybody's home, everybody's having fun. So the fact that it took a long time to do it. Yeah. So DM uh, Gerber says with blades of dice, the roles create some great drama and uh, think scenes with TV episodes, right? You jump straight into an encounter. Like imagine you really, you don't have time for a lot of fluff. There's not a time you always jump to jump to the middle of the situation, you know, go, go with in media res. And I get that. And the philosophies I'm not having trouble with, right? The, the ideas of how to run the game, I'm not having trouble with. For some reason, the things I'm having trouble with are like the density of the material that's on the campaign books. And then there's things where it's like, I get that we're all building a world together, but like eventually I'm going to have to come up with a descriptions for things, right? And where do I pull those from? And I guess like you make it up, but I know what I'm good at making up and I know what I'm not good at making up. And a lot of the things that it, the game feels like I have to make up are things that I know I'm not good at making up, which means for like today, I am going to try to get some of that stuff prepared. Uh, so that's a lot of what we're going to do for the prep today is that, but let's, so we're going to, we're going to try it with the, the eight steps, right? Let's generate a session planning template here. And cause I think, you know, the question is, do the eight steps work? Hey, look at me. I did 2022, right? The first time I, I have a feeling that the, the philosophies of return of the lazy dungeon master, the philosophies that I hold on to as a DM fit well with this style. And I'm just, I'm trying to like say, yes, I get it. But like D and D and blades are not the same. So I should throw everything out and start over again. And maybe that's true, but I, I think I am going to say like, you know, how well does it work? I have this framework. It makes me feel comfortable. I know I like it. So I'm going to use it and we'll see where does the, where do the eight steps break away and break down from the, the style and the, and the philosophies of blades in the dark. Right. So one thing I want to do, so the, the, the crew of the gray enigma. So I need to review the, right. We're going to, we're going to add that. And a little trick is I'm, because this is a template, what I'm going to do is edit the session notes template. And I'm going to add that to the session template. So that future session templates, future session templates, like I'm, I'm going to edit this thing so that when I click that session template guide, it will be updated with the new one. The strong start, I think is important, right? Because they talk about like getting right in there. So, but let's we'll go to strong start. Right now let's look at the characters because this is important. So we have, we have six characters. Four of the characters were built during our session zero. Two of the characters were built by the players after, during, during the week, right? I, Cause I said like, we can't do another session zero for the other two characters. So we're gonna kind of get introduced to them. And so we have six characters, Andrea the Rat Templeton, played by Pat. This was one of the ones built out off, off camera. Uh, Arden Storm's Shadow Keel, played by Brian, a Whisper. Chance Goods Barrow, played by Jerry, who's a leech. Morlin the Kingmaker, Stratholm Esquire, he's a lawyer, who's played by Jay, who's a spider. Nishan Lex Adele, played by Juliet. She also wasn't at the game, so she made this character offline. A Slide. And Porto Half Off Hightower, a cutter, played by Joe. So I changed up the crew. I changed up this character thing. First, first thing I did is instead of being a database, it is a page that has a database inside so that I can add stuff in here. Like they are playing the shadows. So I stuck a shadows character page right here in the right here in the page. 
And I, I picked what I thought would be useful traits for each of these characters to stick in this table. Who, who's playing it, right? What type of character is it? Lurk, Whisper, Leech, Spider Slide, Cutter. Their heritage, I don't know how important heritage is. And I don't know that I, like, I'm busy. I'm, I'm already overwhelmed. I don't know that I need to dive into the heritage too much. Background, I think is important. Apprentice, Shadow, Underworld, Academic, Bourgeoisie, another academic and a laborer. Vice, this this I kind of see as like something that I can, I can, tap into and draw on, especially on like fours and fives on the rolls, you know, this, the idea that like, I can, I can sort of, these are like strings on the character I can yank on when I think it might be fun. So I thought vice was a, a pretty handy, a pretty handy thing to have here. And then we have allies and rivals. And in trying to channel some of my nervous energy, I created pages for each of these allies and rivals. So I, I've got a place now to do stuff with them. And I have a, I have a tip that I think is, is directly useful, not only to Blades in the Dark, but to probably all RPGs and, and also certainly useful to D&D. It was something I read about on Reddit that made a lot of sense to me. And, and it fits right in with the whole idea of treating you know, throwing WWE, throwing like pro wrestling ideas into your D&D game, right? And one of them is like, what is the epitaph or the descriptor of this character you're making? And they brought up the idea that if you look at like Zelda, the most recent Zelda game, whatever it's called. If you look at Zelda, whenever they meet a character, like the name of the monster shows up and then it has like a little thing like fiery demon, right? Or, you know, a gothic vampire. And so what you can do, and then the same is true for Breath of the Wild. Thank you. The same is true if like Dark Souls, right? The, the, the Demon Souls and Dark Souls games, they have bosses and it's like, you know, it'll be like, you know, Daramoth, the, the endless sorrow, right? Or, you know, Gorgoth, the crying God, right? And so you, you have these kind of cool titles, descriptors or names, and they give some information to the player that's like, oh, they can hang on to that. It's like, a, it's it's real words, it's real names, it means something, it sounds cool. So it can be kind of scary, the God Slayer, right? So-and-so the God Slayer, you're like, what's up with that, right? Or the, the grim, you know, I don't know, whatever. So I started to use that here. So instead of just having Salia, I put like a two word, who is Salia? Salia information broker, Satara demon, Jewel blood dealer, Jaren blue coat archivist, Brill drug dealer, Sawtooth physicker, Darmot blue coat, Flint spirit trafficker, Eckerd corpse thief, right? Salia information broker, interesting, we got a connection there. Bazos Baz, lampback leader, right? Mercy cold killer. So. What helps me is like, it's, it's hard to remember names, but remember, but tying the name to who they are and doing it in the title of the document, right? Because if I click this Bazos Boz Lampback Leader, I get, you know, that's the title of the, of the, of the notion page. And that makes it easier for me to kind of remember who they are also to describe them to the players. So I think that that's a really useful thing. When you have an NPC beyond just the NPC's name, put a little bit next to them about who they are or, and make it cool, right? What's it, in world, when you say cold killer, right? That's a cool title. So I really like that idea. And I think, I think that's something, yeah, those epitaphs, epitaphs like that go back to Greek myths, says Scipio. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a historian, but I, I, I believe you. And I think that that is a cool, it's just a great way to remind people who these are and, and you know, get them fired up about it and stuff like that. So that could be a lot of fun. I'm wondering if I can hide 
yeah, we're gonna hide heritage because I don't think I need it there. That way it's still there. If I open up, if I open up a page, uh, heritage is still listed. I feel like that might be a fine idea for any game. I think so. I think that that is a, I think that's a common thing that you could do basically anywhere, which is this idea of, of adding a little epitaph to, to someone's name. So those are the crew. We have Andrea the Rat, Arden Storm's Shadow, Chance Goods Barrow, Morlin the Kingmaker, Nishan Lex Adele, Porto Half-Off Hightower. Just beginning to learn who the characters are. I don't even think all of the players got a chance to do anything with their characters yet. And all that happened is they met Bazos Baz, the Lampback leader. And he basically told them, here's the situation. The and I took this right from the book. I took the starting situation right from the book. And the starting situation is that the Crows, uh, a very powerful gang in the area, their leader was just killed. And they believe that the leader of the Crows, and I think I have these, I, I, I created faction pages. And, I, and then I just copied and pasted stuff right out of the Crows. They are led by Lisa, but that is a former leader and Rorik was the former leader of the crows who was murdered right and and many people think it was lisa who did it the crows used to be able to hold the peace between various gangs in the in the area of and we go back to our locations here crow's foot do you tell the players the epitaphs you've created for them or are the epitaphs just for you to remember them no, I, I would tell the epitaph. If you're talking about for NPCs, absolutely, I would tell I would tell them the the epitaphs. So Crow's Foot, lots of different gangs fighting Crow's Foot. I'm trying to like narrow things down again. Like I feel overwhelmed, so I'm just trying to narrow things down so that I can like get my hand hands around it. So I'm sticking to like Crow's Foot as a region, and I'm sticking to the default setting, which is that the Crows had a leader who died. Now the Crows used to be keeping the peace between the, the major gangs, but now because the leader's dead, the Crows have become sort of insular, which means now these smaller gangs are fighting, including the Lampbacks and the Red Sashes are two gangs that are fighting each other. So we have three factions currently, right? We have the Lampbacks, we have the Red Sashes, and we have the Crows. And I, I just grabbed the stuff right out of the book and threw it in my Notion page so that I have it on their leader. Yeah, Malera Clev is a Red Sash leader, right? Who isn't tied to anybody. And we have the Lampax who are led by Bazos Baz, right? And then the Crows themselves. And I threw two jobs in front of the characters that they could take. Uh, job one is that Lisa from the Crows, Lisa from the Crows, had an object that she was very eager to keep out of people's hands and to keep protected, that she was hiding somewhere in Crow's foot. And Bazos Boz believed it would be useful if we had that in hand. I don't want to send people directly because I'm not going to war with the Crows, but it would be it'd be great if we could figure out what that thing was and maybe get a hold of it. That would might give us some leverage in this whole war that's going on here. We could figure out what to do with it, right? And I'm playing very open. I didn't know exactly what it was. I was like, is it the soul of the... My idea was like, it might be the captured ghost of the previous leader. I thought that was pretty cool, but we'll see. It doesn't matter because they didn't... I banged the mic again. It didn't matter because they didn't pick that one. They were like, we don't want to go up against the crows. The crows sound badass. We're not going to do that. We want the other one. The other one was, hey, you know what we can do? This is a very straightforward heist. The Red Sashes have a war chest full of money that they've been using to hire mercenaries. We, we the Lampbacks, if you're allying with the Lampbacks, we can get a hold of that, that war chest. That will pull the oxygen away from the red sashes. They won't be able to, they won't be able to maintain themselves if they don't have the money. So we'd like to go find out where it is and go get it. And like, okay, you know, very, very cool, straightforward, straightforward situation, right? And that's basically, so we had, the, where I got lost was like, 
I met with Bezos Boz. I hadn't really thought about him and who he was and what he looked like or anything like that. So I didn't have any good descriptions to give for him. I just said he was a big brutish guy. And the players kind of didn't know what to do with it. So they're doing weird stuff too. And I was like, at one point, one of the, one of the characters did something that was like, you know, I thought Bezos Boz would not like, right? And I was like, how do I, do I roll for that? Do I say, so I said like, I kind of want to do a roll because I just want to see what it's like. So I, you know, I think thinking back, what I should have said was, what is your intended goal here? What do you hope to have happen in, in this interaction you're going to do? What do you want to have happen? And they can describe that. And, I, and then I could figure out, okay, how likely is that to happen? That's the, the two, the two angles. I forget what they're called. Somebody remind me what the two, the, the two ways you look at a difficulty check, right? Which is essentially like, how easy is this situation to do and how much of an impact is it going to have, right? And what they want to have accomplish, that's where you decide like how much impact it's going to have. Is that a big thing that they're trying to do or a small thing that they're trying to do? Position and effect. Thank you so much. So for position, it's like how hard or easy is this to accomplish? And effect is how big of an effect is it going to have? How it's almost like advantage versus disadvantage. What's the, what's the, what's the, what's the cost benefit, right, of this? And so, you know, so I looked at it and I said, I think you're, I think you're, you're chapping Bazos Baz's ass. And I think he might come over and punch you in the face. Right. And, and so, you know, we tried to do a role and I think he did a role and it was, but it's clumsy. Right. And the whole, that whole situation is clumsy because I'm not getting used to it. And I got to give myself permission to be clumsy. Right. It's a brand new game. We're just figuring it out. No one, no one has played. None of the, none of the players in here have played and, but it kind of worked out, but I think like, okay, I want to now jump past you know, I want to jump past and I want to grab this idea of, of in media res. And I think a way to do this. So I have a bunch of things that I want to kind of fill out, right? Of things that I want to understand. And that's that, that strong start. And, and I think it will be fun. Uh, default to risky slash standard, right? Yeah. I think it'll be fun. They've, they've met Bazos Baz. And I think it would be fun if they ran into some cutthroats, some red sash cutthroats, right? And they're probably led by a, an actual swords person. And I think a fun bit would be if this person is of is royalty, right? So now there's like a challenge of like, they're going to come, they're going to give a bunch of crap to them. You're like, hey, we saw you coming out of Bazos Baz's place right? Like, you know, and, and then the, and the red sash cutthroats are like, maybe we just need to cut these, you know, kill these people right now. And they're, they're mostly a bunch of like hired, right? Hired cutthroats. They're, they're not skilled, right? They, the red sashes are, have like a, a big training academy, but like they've been hiring so many people and this may be a secret and clue, right? If we're going to use, if we're going to use secrets and clues, uh, the red sashes have been hiring like crazy which means not everybody's very good or very loyal or very loyal. Another thing with the red sashes is that many trained red sash swords people are, have, have connections to nobility. It's like karate camp, right? It's like, send, it's like rich people sending their kids to karate camp. So, so that's kind of the situation. I, you know, I, I don't know if it matters how many I could do a, countdown clock for this i think right and my countdown clock could be that there are eight i know that one one thing that people have said i've read a lot about it over the past week and people have said like don't treat a countdown clock like hit points right and maybe maybe eight on the you know 
so maybe instead the countdown clock is a four banger that is like the the morale that represents the morale of the the red the the, the red sash cutthroats that could be you know that could be one way to kind of like we'll, we'll we'll toy with some of the mechanics of of the of the countdown clock and stuff like that scenes well what was, yeah I, I don't know that we're going to worry about scenes yet but you know encounter with the red sashes and i know there's not really encounters so you know forgive me for using the word encounters for the for the blades purists but it's just like that it's that starting scene right like you know, we're, we're doing it like a TV show, right? We're going to do it like a one-hour TV show, fun drama, like an episode of Peaky Blinders. You know, that's scene one. They need to find this, the safe house where the money is being stored and get the money and return to Bazos. Boz. Maybe that's the way it goes. It might not go that way. They might decide, you know what? We changed our minds. We're going to, we're going to work with the red sashes to take down the lamp backs. All right. You know, that's, that's certainly a way to go. And then there's like, what are all of the ways that they're going to go about this? Well, that's what we're going to find out in play, right? Those are, those are the things that we, that we find out in play. So NPCs. So who are our, we, we probably want to have some fun NPCs here, right? And I think that this kind of generating a handful of NPCs is, is probably not a bad way to go. Is there a Blades, a Blades in the Dark name generator, right? Let's make her a woman, Sabrina Tevalon, right? That's pretty good. Sabrina, she is a noble from a family of Leviathan, a third child right off to karate camp she's probably 20 years old all right i like that so that now so who else do we have we probably have like who's in charge so this is where i kind of get lost right because i i hear that like well blades is very low prep and i guess i could be like ask the players like well who do you think is in charge of the safe house right but i kind of like having some solidity to what's going on in the story and the idea like i like to think of is okay so the red sashes they have a big war chest. They know that they have to move it. Ah, and this could be a secret, right? Right? The red uh, sashes move their war chest every few days to avoid. Uh, red sashes move their war chest every few days to avoid it getting identified and stolen. That works. Suggests, uh, Camp Backstab says, suggest leaving some named NPCs open, let players define who they are. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you can use a clock as hit points, but treating it like your mob pool. Yeah, right, right. I, I, I think using like as a mob pool is good. I think eight's probably too many. I don't want to sit there rolling over and over and over again for this first scene. We won't, we won't get anywhere. So the idea of like, you're shaking the morale of this low rent group of cutthroats and you know, a four clocker feels right, a four banger. That move would be quite the process likely. Yeah, so who moves it? So probably six of the red sashes, best swordsmen, swordsfolk, escort the stash when it's on the move. Very few people know where, only, I think it's probably only two, right? Only two people know where and when the stash is going to move. We'll call it the war chest, right? Instead of the stash. I think 
And those two people are the leader of the Red Sashes. She knows. And that is, look at all the NPCs I've got. That is Malira and her best fencing instructor. And we'll get another name here. Let's get a male name. Leaf Warren now, Ramus the Nail Path, Ramus Path. That's not bad. We'll call him Whis uh, Whisper. There isn't Whisper already a class type. I want a better name, Willow. And we're gonna make him Omar Little from The Wire, right? Ramus Needle, I like Willow. Scarred dude, right? Been around, quiet talker you know, known for killing a lot of people. And he is actually, him. he picks like the six best people. He kind of rotates who the swords folk are. But they 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 find it both, you know, they, they've tried to make it impractical. The red have tried to make it impractical to uh, ambush the movement of the war chest. Ramus coming, yo. Impractical ambush the movement of the war chest, right? That it's like, it's him and his best guys, right? And it's like, if you're gonna take them out on the streets, it's gonna be loud and bloody and, 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 and hard, right? That's possible. So like, when is the weak spot, right? So I think, so those are some cool NPCs. Like, I'm happy with that. I probably don't need more, right? I'm not supposed to do too much. I can I can generate more NPCs on the fly. Like who would know about this, right? What what NPCs know about? What NPCs know that this is the case, right? Like is there you know, who who else knows about this this thing? So there, is there a I mean maybe it's like one of the characters. I guess yeah. I guess I'm not going to worry too much about it, right? Talking about asking players for NPC details and 5e players like to remain immersed in their characters. These PBDA narrative games, the immersion is the story. So asking notable features, NPCs or unique features of location while popping out a character immersion isn't inherently bad and focus. Yeah, and I get it. And I can talk to my players like, you know, you get to decide more. I'll, I'll, certainly, I'll certainly do that. I just, you know, what am I doing here? I wanna feel comfortable running it, right? I wanna, I wanna be excited to run it. And what makes me excited is feeling like I've got the stuff that I need in front of me. I don't think I'm over prepping. I'm curious, right? Is this, and maybe when I'm running it, I'll be like, wow, I've over prepped like crazy. Turns out I didn't do nearly this stuff, but it feels like, you know, need more spooky says Christopher scratch. Yes. I want to talk about that. And maybe that's where, when we get into this monsters section, instead we have our spooky shit section, right? I can get rid of all this. And I want to make, I had an idea for this, which was instead of a, I wanted to pick themes, like instead of spooky shows, spooky themes. Let's, let's take, let's elevate this conversation a little bit out of the gutter. Ghosts, vampires, leviathans, electroplasm. What other, I'd like to have 10 spooky themes that exist in this world. You know, 10 spooky themes that exist in this world that I can, that I can sort of roll on when I want to add, when I want to add something to this, right? And what are the other, oh, the, what are they called? The, the people that hunt down ghosts have a name. You want to take Blades in the Dark out of the gutter. It seems counterintuitive, probably. Spirit Wardens, right? 
Oh, the void, so the void C, right? It might be fun to throw another faction in here. I, I wouldn't mind having like a, a, an, an orthogonal faction beyond the crows, the red sashes, and the, you know, that, that, that it could be. And I'd like them to be a, the crazy supernatural ones. I kind of like the, the weird witches. The Deathlands. That's what I was looking for. Right. What, what resides outside? See, here's your, there. He, glossary of Strange Forces, right? See, he, you know, Justin Alexander, man killing it let's see if i can clean this thing up a little bit here doing a little fixing up give me a moment i like justin alexander's glossary and i want to use that as my like random table that i can roll on which means i need to clean it up so that i can turn it into one because i think it covered there look at that it's almost like a d20 list i can add three of my own alchemy demon devil I don't think we need devil in there. Electroplasm, ghosts, ghost field, hollow, hull, sparkcraft body, possessed, rituals, soul, sparkcraft, spectrology, spirit warden, spirit well, vampire, and whisper. I don't know that I need, whoops, I don't need all of these. So what can I, which one of these can I pull out that I don't really need? And there's some others, I guess like I'll, I'll build my own list, right? So I like alchemy. Uh, I like demon. I've already got the electroplasm. I've got the Deathlands, which is cool. Hollow is kind of cool. The Dimmer Sisters, that's who I want to drop in. I want to, I'm going to throw the Dimmer Sisters in. I think we'll do Spirit Well. So that's kind of a cool, right? I want to, I want to keep this list so that I can just kind of roll on it when I want. I guess if I was being cool, I would make it like a, a 2D6 list, but I'll live with a D10. So let's see, I can add two more. And then what I can do is make two separate lists of six, right? Uh, hollow is cool. And let's see, you've got alchemy. Does he have vampire? Yeah. He doesn't have Leviathan on his list. That's interesting. Grimdork says, I don't think most crews are going to go sailing in, uh, looking for giant demon monsters in the Void Sea. No, but I like that they're such a big part of the theme that I think the idea of like, if I want to flavor something, I could roll on these lists and, and, and add some themes. Like imagine, you know, think about whaling. Like imagine it's like a whaling city, right? There's whale stuff everywhere. So there's also like Leviathan stuff everywhere. So you might see like weird Leviathan parts, right? And, and I, I think like one of the things that I feel like when I, when I hear about blades and I read about it it has all of this thematic cool stuff going on but it doesn't seem like it comes up in the game it's like it's warehouses and manors and it's very kind of traditional victorian stuff when i'm like you've got this whole setting like don't lose like that stuff should be dripping all over the place right ghosts should be all over the place weird things should be all over the place so i want to i want to throw more of that stuff in i don't want to miss out on that on that stuff so, so I like, is there a thing about treasure? I don't even know how treasure works. I think, I think you can safely blow treasure, treasure away. I don't think we need that. And a scratch pad. I guess it never hurts to have a scratch pad. Certainly don't need that stuff though. The location thing might, is not such a terrible idea. Like who's where, right? We can still keep track of like who's where. And I got my session notes. That's handy. So 
yeah, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. What what else do I need? So I want to talk about locations a bit, right? I I want to have. I I know that I'm not supposed to like map out and have a lot of details for places, but I think it would be kind of neat to decide where in Crow's Foot. Says every score has a payout. PCs absolutely need the coin to manage stress and work on projects, right? So coin is a big piece of the treasure, right? And I know this job has a certain amount of coin. How how is coin described in world? Like coin is this like it's for coin. What does that mean? Right. And, 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 and what, how do you describe, like, it's, it seems like it's an abstract idea of money, but I like to know what the characters describe it as. That's, that's, uh, I got stuck with that when I was playing the first time. It equals a purse of money. But how much? All right. Purse of what kind of money? This is like, it's, it, that's the kind of thing where like, there are physical things in this world that really are something. They're like, not everything is abstract, right? Money is money. And, and it, like, it kind of like, you know, we bag on D and D sometimes, but like, at least a gold piece is a gold piece, right? A purse of many, I see it as a mix of money, favors and connections, except it's not right. Like it, I mean, these things are something in the world, but so how do, like, how would Basil, if they, if the reward is, well, we need to get six coin from the treasure and you get two of it when Basil is describing that to the characters how does he describe it, right? I mean, I guess I'll just multiply by a hundred, right? You know, or or a thousand. The few silver pieces the PCs use in their daily lives are not tracked at the scoundrel, right? So, I get that part of it, but like when you know, how much is a coin worth in world? I know it's abstract. That's my problem. <laughs> my problem is in the when I'm when I am role playing an NPC who is offering them something. He can't say he he offers you the equivalent of six coin, and they're like, well, you know, what is it? I don't know. I have trouble with that. That one that 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 part of it. Oh God, I just got tea on my mouse. That's that's bad. Grimdork says, it's like describing treasure boards in D&D. You can describe the gems and art objects you want, but it's always just GP. Yes, except GP has a value in the world. I know, we know what gold pieces are in the world. And if a character says, I'll offer you 200 gold pieces, that makes sense in the world. It doesn't make sense for Bazos Baz to say, I'll offer you six coin. And I want him to say, I mean, I can always abstract it and say, he offers you the equivalent of six coin, right? I break character. I just, I just, I, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why it doesn't have a, I get that. Like we track it as coin. That's fine. I, I still think that there would be like an in-world equivalent of what that means. Like what can a coin buy you in the world would help, right? Like, you know, what's the days, what's the day's wages of an, of an average skilled? Well, well, coin isn't the slang people use. It's a mechanic term. Anyway, we'll, we'll come back to that. So the red sashes, the, the, their, their, their treasure vault, right? They, they, they are, their, the, their war chest is somewhere now and it probably will go somewhere else. And I'd like to have sort of two cool locations that I want to drop in. So let's, we'll, we will, we will go to Blades and I know that in near the end of the book, they have like buildings. I looked at Crow's, I'm, I'm keeping everything in Crow's foot. And they have this, the Strathmill House, Lost Children of the Orphanage. That's kind of cool, right? But I don't know that in, they'd stash it at the Orphanage. And then we the Sword Academy. We know that probably not at the Sword Academy, right? But we know that the Red Sashes have a Sword Academy. 
So that's certainly a location. Let's go down to their list of other buildings though. They do have some cool like names here. Buildings. Why don't we roll and see what we get? Get my sixes out. So uh, a three and a three. I'm gonna do a rare one, a distillery. So could it be an, ele oh, and let's do a distillery, but then let's roll on my, my, spooky, my spooky theme chart, right? Uh, six and a one. Deathlands Distillery. What would that be like? What 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 from the Deathlands might might flavor this distillery? Maybe I don't have a Blades in the Dark shirt. Sorry. Maybe while the Leviathans. So this could be while most electroplasm comes from Leviathans. Some try to draw it from the spirits, so in the ghosts and demons of the Deathlands with limited effect. It's corrupted. So the Deathlands distillery, right? Corrupted electroplasm. We have collected, so I think that the, the whole idea of like aspects that I've talked about in return, I think that works really where, well here, where like, I'm not gonna map out the Deathlands distillery, but I am going to throw some aspects in here that kind of get my imagination and the imagination of my players going. So we have corrupted ectoplasm, we have wrecked, rusted, let's see, hulking machinery. And we have, so we have corrupted ectoplasm vats, right? We have uh, hulking, uh, rusted hulking machinery. And I wanna have like this, the, the, where the, where the corrupted, where, where the, the remnants go, right? The, the, the sewage, right? Festering sewage, the festering runoff, right? Deathlands runoff, right? So that like, if you imagine it like in this in this building, you have these old vats. This place probably hasn't been used in some time, right? It hasn't been used in some time. And so there's these like half, some of the vats are broken and some of it doesn't work. Some of the machinery is still sparking, but nobody goes near it. And, you know, the, the, the kind of electroplasm they were ever able to pull out of this stuff never was very good compared to what they're getting from the Leviathan, the much cleaner, quote unquote, cleaner stuff they're getting from the Leviathans out in the, in, in the, out in the, the, the sea, but it's still there. And the, the, you know, the, the machinery, it's been abandoned, which is why the red sashes like it as a place. So I think that's a, that's a cool one. See, I like, I like that. So I'm good with that. So now let's do the other place. My purple will be the vertical foreign one theater. That's cool. All right. What about this theater? Is there a, let's, let's see if there's a spooky theme. It is a ghost theater racked with ghosts, right? Uh, ghost theater. Theaters have ghosts, it's the law. I could actually steal quite a bit. I have the theater of the mind. Ooh, what if we call it that, right? And I can steal a lot of this right from fantastic locations, right? That's the wrong one, right? So I have this kind of cool, creepy theater and I don't have maps, right? This, I was, I was, people were saying like, why don't you have maps for fantastic locations? Well, maybe this works great. So I'll keep this theater handy as a, as a place and that it's got like a lot going on here and there's definitely ghosts and there's kind of cool places. 
it's probably a little bit too filled out for a for a blades in the dark but it's got we'll 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 grab some we'll grab some aspects here so main aspects are like ancient theater below which i always love uh haunted dressing rooms and what else what other what other kind of cool cool aspect could we find a huge platform right elevated platform yeah so now I got a couple of locations. I don't know if I need more. Like that's probably, you know, again, this is supposed to be prep light, right? So I should not have to do too much. But that gives me a lot. Uh, that gives me a couple of places with some interesting things. This is this is why there's a reason why fantastic locations are a prep step in return, and that's because it it takes me more time. You saw it. How long it took me to come up with these, right? It takes me a little bit more time to come up with these than it does than I than I feel like I would be comfortable coming up with at the game, which is why I want to have some things. So I don't need a lot. But I feel like they need some stuff. So, so this this idea feels pretty good to me. How do I feel? Well, so I'm still really nervous, right? Again, different game. Today's going to be my first real game, and we're going to see kind of how it goes in the last few minutes of today's show. Is there anything else I would like to fill out? So, for uh, those of you who are familiar with Blades in the Dark, you've watched me now prep for the last 56 minutes. What do you? where else can I put four minutes of time that's going to make the game smoother, right? Like I don't have a lot of time left. I'm out of tea. So where can I, what, what am I, what am I missing, right? What should I be doing? I, I, I'm, I'm almost certain people feel like I'm doing too much, that I'm, I'm spending too much time prepping things that are meant to be much more open-ended, you know? Oh yeah. So one of them is like, what could the, we were talking about what the 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 costly successes and devil's bargains could be, right? I don't know that you really prep those. Let's come up with six, right? We'll just do we'll do six. What are some costly successes? So obviously, alert the blue coats, stir up uh, a rival faction could be one. Awaken a ghost, alert a spirit warden what else zap zap says resetting your mindset blades asks everyone at the table to break into meta meta conversations that's a hiccup when you speak about coin yeah i get it i just i feel like we're still trying to create a world in world and and, and there are physical solid things in this world like coins what are those right so I, yeah i get it devil's bargains are often related to trigger advice Right. Would that be part of reviewing the characters? What would each character feel to be a hard choice to make? Yeah, that's a good question. Did you focus on your players in the first step? Look at their vices and think about the bargains you might want to push. That's a good. That's a good point. Yeah. What are the, what are the bargains? Let's you know, we can look at them. So Andrea the Rat Templeton likes to likes to sneak in and mingle with the rich. So what are that? So he hang up could be that Andrea gets identified by one of the you know one of the rich the rich people from the red sashes because it's like didn't i see you before but you were you were different then right arden storm shadow believes in the occult and as faith as a, a vice so might be more precluded to aid a, a a ghost getting chased or hidden by a um spirit warden right? Would be one there. Chance goods, this weird and collects fingers that could certainly make people, you know, he could have the wrong finger, the wrong person. He did when he had Bazos Baz, he was collecting fingers and he had, he'd be like, look, you know, yeah, it was creepy stuff. 
Morlin the Kingmaker is obligation to the orphanage, right? So that could be cool. And the orphanage, I think, like some of the red sashes could be orphans. So we could hang on that. Nishan Lex Abdel likes to seek oblivion through drugs. You could always have, you know, that's an easy one, right? You, 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 get, the, you, get, the, you get the DTs. Porto half off Hightower likes to seek out the fighting pits. So, you know, might've run into somebody that, that to whom they did dirty in the fighting pits. So I think that that, um, believes in the occult is maybe not a vice, but like is, is maybe not believes in the occult, but like is drawn, drawn to the occult. Right. I think that, that, that works. So that makes sense. It's a triggering of vice. What is another kind of costly successor devil's bargain? And again, I, 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 one thing I saw from the, the one that John Harper ran is you ask the players too, like what, 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 or other people, what, what, what do the rest of you think? Like one cool thing is like, I got a group full of DMs, right? And so it should be pretty easy for them to kind of fall into DM mode and, and start to answer some of these questions. Awaken a vampire, you know, get or get the attention of a vampire. I love vampires, man. I can never have enough vampires. They're like, they're like, they're like cults. I love them. I think that is probably pretty good. I think I am I am good enough. I tell you, it's some of it for me. I just want to have some locations, right? Like there was just this thing like I don't think I overdid it with these guys, right? I don't think I made I didn't go too far. I don't have maps. I just wanted to have some kind of fun cool things. And I kind of get that like that's sort of you know, that's not quite how this game operates, but I don't want a warehouse, man. Like warehouses are boring. They said it was like a coal warehouse i'm like coal warehouse why isn't it a leviathan blood warehouse like you, you've got this fantasy world let's do some fantasy so yeah and I, I, i'm i'm three secrets shy but that's fine right so we'll see we'll see how it goes it's very interesting today will be the first time we play an entire game through so we'll see how that goes and uh, next week i'll let you know and i'll let you know what our plans are i don't know how often i'm going to run this I don't, or how how long we're going to keep this i'll probably talk to the players about it I figure like, you know, three or four sessions. And then I want to I want to dive into some Numenera. I'm very excited for Numenera. So we will see. Awesome. Thank you all for hanging out with me today. Always a great pleasure. It's And and I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, if you did, you can help me out by subscribing to the Sly Flourish newsletter, supporting me directly on Patreon, picking up any of my books or subscribing to my videos on YouTube. So thank you all very much. Have a great day. Have a great week. And get out there and play your favorite RPG of choice. Take care.